0: If you remind, remain standing for the reading of God's Word, I'm coming from the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, if, if you would like to follow along. And it says, "It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other. Here's what they were saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs and he touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, who should I send as a messenger? to this people who will go for us. And I said, here I am, send me. The title of my message tonight is, Will You Answer the Call? Will you answer the call? You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Tonight, I want to take you, as I believe it is, a journey into the Father's heart. You know, a very interesting thing about God is that God is... Well, we know God is consistent and God never changes. God remains the same. But you know, there's a certain cry that comes from God's heart that also remains the same and that never changes. And And tonight, I want to take you into the Father's heart as if I am making an appeal to you on behalf of the Father. On behalf of the throne of heaven, I want to make an appeal to you. And when we're looking at this scripture... In Isaiah, just to give you an idea, Isaiah was the son of Amos. That was his his father, and Isaiah was a prophet to the nation of Judah. And there were four kings that that Isaiah uh, served under: uh, Uzziah, uh, Jotham, Ahaz, and also Hezekiah. So these were the four kings um, that served under that Isaiah prophesied was a prophet under. What's interesting enough is that most of the time, these kings kind of bounce, bounce back and forth between either doing what was evil in the eyes of the Lord or doing what was right and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. And Isaiah was called as a prophet. And just so you understand what a prophet is, a prophet is not really necessarily just about telling the future, even though we think of that when we hear that word prophet or prophesy. What a prophet really is is a mouthpiece. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. So in other words, it's as if Isaiah was standing in heaven and God says, Isaiah, I have a message for you to give to the people. And then Isaiah will stand up and he will say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God is saying to you. This is what a prophet does. And this is what Isaiah was doing. And the interesting thing is that the challenge to Isaiah in this chapter, in his verses that we're going to look at was that challenge came to Isaiah, and Isaiah had to respond to the call of God for his life. And guess what? That's not different than any other one of us. We all have to respond. There's a call of God on every single person in this building. Anyone who's watching online, there was a call of God on your life. And the question is, will you answer the call? And I can't answer that question for you. No one can. God can't answer it for you. Only you can. Will you answer the call? Because here's what God is looking for. This is the heart of the father. God is looking for men and women who will offer up to him fully surrendered hearts. That's what he's after. He wants a fully, completely surrendered heart. That's what he wants. My question to you, however... How do you get there? How do you get to this place where you can offer up to God a fully surrendered heart? And when we look in the passage, what you're going to see is that there are, there's a journey to getting to this place of surrender. And Isaiah went through this process. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at it. There are four stages, if you will, or four steps that lead to Surrender. I'm going to walk you through all four of these. And the first one is revelation. It's the first one. Look at Isaiah chapter six, verse one. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. You know, we were just singing that song, um, if, if this is what it's like, I don't mind staying there for a long time. Imagine Isaiah. Imagine the emotions that are going through Isaiah's heart. Imagine the, the, the feeling and, and everything that as he's experiencing, seeing the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne. Can you imagine what's going through his heart? Can you imagine what he's thinking? What is he feeling? What is he emoting? And it's in this encounter where he is in God's presence that he gets a revelation of who God is. That is so, so important. You know, one of the reasons why we come into worship and one of the reasons why we start a service with worship is we trying to get you to get a revelation of who God is. I'll tell you why in just a moment, but Isaiah got a revelation of who God is. He got a true understanding of who this God is that, that he serves, and this God that he is a prophet and a mouthpiece for. In verse number two, it says, attending him were mighty seraphim. This is God he's talking about. Each having six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy. Now they weren't just saying this calmly, by the way. I'm, I'm, um, they were shouting this out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Some translations will say the Lord God Almighty. Can you imagine this, this conversation going back and forth between these two angels declaring who God is and Isaiah seeing this, the revelation that he's getting of who God is. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Notice verse four. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations. I have never heard a sound like that in my life. I know we, we were driving recently down to uh, Maryland, and as we were driving, we had some thunder that would pop up. And, and if you've ever been in a thunderstorm, you know how loud thunder is. But I've never heard thunder that shook the foundation of my house. This voice that they were declaring, this this shout out of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty shook the very foundation of the temple. Imagine if the presence of God was so strong in this place that the building began to shake. Can you imagine this revelation of who God is that Isaiah was getting as he was seeing this? And when he saw this, he encountered three aspects of God. First, he saw God's power and God's authority, but he also encountered God's holiness and he encountered God's glory. And if you encounter those three things, God's power and authority, God's holiness, and God's glory, you will not remain the same. Now, that doesn't mean your life's going to change, change one way or the other. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But he understood who God was. God revealed a, just a little bit of his character. Just a little bit of his, of his glory, just a little bit of his power, just a little bit of his might, just a little bit of his authority. And Isaiah was just overwhelmed, blown away with the revelation of, of, of who God is. You see, that's why worship is so important. Because when you worship, you need to begin to expand your understanding of who God is. You see, worship is like the 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 table setter because it gets your heart in the mode that now you can hear what this God has to say. Worship builds your faith as you get a revelation of who God is. Now all of a sudden you can pray with more authority because you're not just praying to a God, you're praying to the Lord God Almighty. Holy, 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 that's the one you're praying for, the one who sits on the throne, the one who has all power and authority. All of a sudden, you pray differently because you understand who you are praying to, because worship gives you a revelation of who God is. Got to understand that. And Isaiah had this revelation. He knew who God was. And what revelation does, and here's another thing, is revelation of who God is sets the stage For transformation. Now, I say it sets the stage. I'm going to explain why, but it sets the stage for transformation. And here's why this is so important when it comes to surrender. You will never reach a place of surrender in your life to to God until you truly understand who God is. If you never get to understand who He is, you will never surrender to Him. I want you to understand something about our human nature. The way our human hearts work is we will not to surrender to someone who we don't think is greater than we are. That's just the way our human nature works. If someone is, you feel someone beneath you, you will not surrender to that person. For some of you, that's why you're struggling on your job because you got a boss that you know a whole lot more than, right? And now this person is trying to tell you what to do and you're like, wait a second, I know how to do all of this stuff and I gotta listen to you. You struggle with that. It's the same thing. If you never get in revelation of who God is, you will not surrender to Him. That's why revelation is so important. You've gotta get, as we were singing, in awe of who God is. And when you get in awe of who God is, that begins to set the stage for transformation. It doesn't happen yet. But it starts laying the groundwork and laying the foundation. Remember this, you will never surrender your heart to God unless you understand and get a revelation for who He is. That's why revelation is the first step. But it doesn't start, it doesn't stop there because there's a second step. And that second step is recognition. You see, here's what revelation does. Revelation reveals who God is, but guess what it also does? It reveals who you are. You see, you can't walk into the holy presence of God and all of a sudden, when you are confronted with God's holiness, you recognize how unholy you are. When you're confronted with his power and authority, you realize how much or how little power and strength you really actually have. You see, recognition of or revelation of who God is causes you to recognize who you are. Notice what Isaiah said. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a man, a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I have lived among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. There is something about the presence of God and understanding who he is that totally reveals who you are in a moment. You know, a lot of times people talk big and bold and they're like, oh, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to give God a piece of my mind. No, that ain't going to happen. In fact, if Jesus walked in here right now and revealed his glory, you know where all of us would be? Face down right in front of him. If he came right here and stood right here, we would all be face down before him. All of us. Because we would see who he is and we would recognize who we are. This isn't just happened to... Um, to isaiah this happened to peter remember in luke 5 when peter went out and jesus said go cast your nets on the other side remember that story right and he goes and he casts his nets on the other side and all of a sudden he gets all of these fish and the first thing he does when he runs to the to the shore and he recognizes who jesus is notice what he says when simon peter realized what had happened he fell to his knees before jesus and said oh lord please leave me i am such a sinful man When you get confronted with the revelation of who God is, you begin to recognize who you are very, very quickly. Extremely quickly. That's why there's really no pride in God's presence. You can't walk into God's presence proud. How can you do such a thing? When you get confronted with who he he is, that humbles you. Because the presence of God and the revelation of who he is, it humbles you. And one of the reasons why... Revelation is so important and why you have to always keep coming back to this. And by the way, this is not a one-time thing. This is something that must be continuous in your life. Is because so you don't get puffed up. The more you understand he is and the more you see who you are and recognize who you are, that prevents you from getting puffed up. I've said this before. I will always say this. God does not use people because of who they are. He uses us in spite of who we are. And the more you understand that, the more you remember and see and understand who he is, and the more you recognize who you are, what that does is that keeps you humble. And if you're not humble, then God can't use you. Plain and simple. You walk into God with pride, you walk out the exactly the same way you came in. But you come before God humble and broken. God says a broken and contrite heart, I will not despise. So you have to come humble. It keeps you Humble, because there is a tendency in all of us, myself included, to get puffed up and filled up with pride, no matter what you do. think back to something you struggle to do or you sometimes you get a new job or you get a new opportunity or maybe you 're serving in ministry, and it 's the very first time you do it and you 're scared to death and you 're nervous and you 're not sure how you 're going to do it, and you pray and you depend on God and you 're so nervous and scared god i can 't do this without you that 's how you start. But then you do it for a while, and you get better at it. And all of a sudden, you're not as nervous as you used to be. And all of a sudden, now it's not about God help me. It's about look at how good I can do this. That happens in all of us. There's that tendency in all of us to get puffed up, to think that we are something when we are not. He is everything. And we need to see who he is so that we don't start getting uh, these overinflated opinions of ourselves. Because imagine, even in church services, we can get arrogant in our worship and and arrogant in the way we serve and arrogant even in the way we pray and arrogant in the way we do things. And wait a second, how can we be arrogant when we're trying to do this for the one who is almighty and all powerful and who holds the world in his hand? How How dare we? But that happens when you forget who God is. That's why revelation is so important. It reminds you of who it is, who he is. And when you get that revelation, then you begin to recognize who you are. You know, a lot of times you like to quote scripture, right? Anybody ever heard this one, "We're the head, not the tail? Anyone heard that one before? Love that, right? Awesome, right? Or we're more than conquerors. Amen, right? Aren't we that? That's what we are. Or we're seated in heavenly places. Oh, that's awesome. And we quote all these wonderful scriptures. Well, guess what? That's not because of who you are. It's because of Christ in you. If you remove Christ from the equation, you are no longer more than a conqueror. You are no longer seated in heavenly places. You are no longer the head. You are the tail if you remove Christ from the equation. And we can't forget that. So recognition, revelation, Recognition. Because the more of him you understand, the more you understand who he is, the humbler you will be. I'm not even sure if that's a word, but I just made one up humbler or whatever. You will remain humble before him. And here's why being humble is so important. James 4 8 says, God opposes the proud. That word literally means that God sets himself up against the proudful, prideful rather, person. God will set himself against you if you come to him in pride. But notice what he does. He gives grace to the humble. That's why God is looking for humble, surrendered hearts. But it starts with revelation. Then it moves to recognition where God begins to reveal who you are. And then here's the piece that. Makes the difference. Number three, repent or retreat. Repent or retreat. In this whole process of surrender, this is the most critical step. Because everything changes, shifts on how you respond. Everything shifts on how you respond. You see, because here's how it works. You come into God's presence and you're all excited and you're worshiping the Lord and you it's like, oh man, this is good. God is good. And then God says, okay, I'm going to start pointing my finger at certain things in your life. I'm going to start pointing my finger at certain things. Certain things that I see there that I don't want there for you. So he starts pointing your, his finger at things. It's happened to me. You ever been in church and God is pointing his finger dead at something and you know you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, no, no. That that ever happened to anyone here or I I'm just by myself. All right? There were times I've gone into worship in in my house and God says you need to fix that and I'm like, is that you God? <laughs> you sure I'm thinking of But he does that because, why? Because he wants to mold you and shape your character into the image of Christ. And there are some things that we allow in our lives that he needs to get rid of. And when you come into worship and and he reveals who he is, he begins to point his finger at certain things in your life. And the question you have to answer is, will you repent or will you retreat? What do I mean by that? If you repent, that means you turn towards God. If you retreat, that means you turn away from him. And I'm going to be as honest as I can be. There are things that sometimes we hold on to in our life. And God puts his finger on it. And you know what we do? Thank you, God. And we keep on holding on to it. And then we wonder why we never reach the place of surrender. And we wonder why we never have victory. And we wonder why we never achieve the things that God wants to achieve. Because when God puts his finger on certain things in our life, instead of repenting and turning to him, we retreat back into the thing that we've been holding on to for so very long. And so the question is, will you repent or will you retreat? Can I be honest? There might be people in here that are living sinful lifestyles and God is saying you need to give that up. Some of you might be hanging around people that you know you don't need to be around those people. They're not good for you. And God's saying, I need you to come away from them. And you're like, no, nah, but, but these are my boys. God's saying, I need you to separate from them. Some of you are holding on to things from your past that you will refuse to let go and allow God to free you from. Because that's your comfort place. And God has pointed his finger at it and says, I want to get rid of that in your life. I want to free you from that. But instead of repenting and turning to him, you retreat back into it. And you, when you retreat, you run away from him. God is saying, no, I don't want that. Some of you are running after your own dreams and visions for your life. God is calling you in a different direction and you're running after something totally different. I did that for many years in my life. God was saying, go this way. And I was like, yeah, I'll get there eventually. But let me do some of this other stuff first. And it wasn't bad stuff. It wasn't sinful stuff. But it wasn't his stuff. So it didn't really matter. It's running after my own dream, my own vision of what I thought was the best way to do what I think is the right way to live my life. It wasn't sinful. I wasn't doing anything sinful. But just running after my own vision, my own dream. And then, and then look and wonder, why is this not working? Because this is not what I want you to do. So why would I allow you to have success in a place that I don't want you to be in? And some of us are holding on to running after the things that we want and then wondering why it's not working. It's because you are not following God's heart. If you will follow God's heart, if you will do what he has called you to do, you will have success in every single area of your life. That's what he has promised. Doesn't mean you're gonna have, be famous or multi-million. That's not what it means. It means that you will accomplish the thing that God has called you to do. That, folks, is the greatest success in life. To accomplish what God has called you to do. Can I be honest? Some of us are worshiping at the media, at the altar of social media. We care more about likes and follows and shares and all that other stuff. And look who, look how many shares I got. Who cares? Is God pleased with it? That's all that matters got to get past this stuff. We're holding on to these things. Some of us care more about the political agenda than the kingdom agenda. Can I be honest? We know more about what's happening on whatever news channel you watch and you ask us to quote scripture, we can't tell you one verse from the Bible. That's criminal. Because guess what? One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not some Democrat or Republican or independent, whatever it is. That's how it's going to end up, folks. You want to know where this is ending? One day he's coming back again, and he's going to split the sky, and he's going to set everything straight. But we're so caught up in our political agenda that we miss the kingdom of God because we're so busy running after things, and God is pointing his finger at it. He's saying, I need you to put that down because I got something better for you, and you can repent or you can retreat. The question is, what are you going to do? I can't answer that for you. You have to answer that. God may be calling you to a deeper place in worship, a deeper place in prayer, a deeper place in studying his word. God is after your heart because there are things that he wants to reveal to you. There's things that he wants to do in you. There are people that he wants you to touch and reach, but he can't do it unless your heart is surrendered. And some of you right now, God may be speaking to you. I don't know. So my question is, will you repent or will you retreat? And if God is pointing those things out, it's not to embarrass you. You know, God is really not interested in embarrassing people. What God is interested in is transforming people. And so if he's pointing it out, it's not because he wants to embarrass you. He's pointing it out because he wants to transform you and change you and deliver you and set you free. And put you on the course to fulfill what he has called you to do. There is no greater joy or in this life. One last thought on this. Aren't you tired of holding on to these things? Aren't you tired of holding on to things that don't fulfill you? That don't satisfy Aren't you tired of walking after things that don't lead you closer to God's purpose but lead you away from it? Aren't you tired of that? (laughs) Amen. Aren't you tired of it? And as much as I love the Lord and, and love his presence, you know there's a truth that I have to be honest with that there's a chance that some of you are going to hear this, and guess what? You're going to retreat anyway. It happened in Jesus. He would preach to people and he would say something that they didn't like. And they said, you know what? I had enough of that. I can't make that decision for you. But that's the father's heart. He's calling. He's looking for surrendered hearts. People that will surrender their heart to him. So will you repent or will you retreat? I can't answer that. You can. If you do repent, then that leads you to the fourth. Yep. sorry. which is readiness the fourth stage is readiness but readiness is only reserved for those who repent so you can't retreat and run after your own will and then at the same time say God I'm ready to follow you it doesn't work that way you can't have your way and God's way it doesn't work that way you have to decide but if you repent And turn to what God wants you to do. Then at that point, you are moving to a place of readiness. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. He says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. See, that's what happens when you repent. Here's the readiness part. Verse 8. It says, Then I heard the Lord asking Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. That's what Isaiah said. But notice, when did Isaiah hear the question that God was asking? When he repented. He couldn't hear that question. That question wasn't asked before he repented. That question was asked after. You see, God says, points his finger. Isaiah repented. And then God said, who's going to go? And Isaiah said, here I am. God, you can send me. It's possible then if you're not hearing what God is saying, maybe it's because there are things you haven't repented of. There are things that are in the way so that you can't hear what God is asking you to do because you've allowed other things to clog the channel so you can't, so his word can't get through. I need you to understand something. When we talk about a surrendered heart, God is not looking for perfect hearts. Because if he was, we'd all be disqualified, myself included. What he's looking for is surrendered. Broken hearts. Those things he can work with. He can work with a surrendered heart. He can work with a broken heart. He can work with a humble heart. He can work with those things to accomplish what he wants because those are the types of hearts that he loves. He can mold those hearts into his image and and after his likeness. He can do that with those kind of hearts that are broken and surrendered. But the proud and arrogant hearts, he can't do anything with those except for humble them. And so the question remains, as I started, who, as he asked, who should I send as a messenger? Who's going to go for us? And the question that I posed at the beginning is simple. Will you answer the call? This is the Father's heart. God's best will not come when you run after what you want. God's best will come when you run after what he wants. Because he will reserve his best for those who are fully committed to him. God will not give you his best if you're not giving him your best. That's not how it works. You give your best. Now, your best may be imperfect. Yes, your best, you may fail sometimes. Absolutely. But you are giving God a surrendered heart. And when God sees that surrendered heart, he says, I'm going to give you my very best. And pour it out on you. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So I'll throw the question out again. Will you answer the call? Notice that at the end of this encounter, God asked the question of Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, who will go for us? Who will be a messenger to these people? And notice though, Isaiah, the answer had to come from Isaiah's mouth. In other words, Isaiah had to open his mouth and say, God, here I am, send me. And the same way God called Isaiah, the same thing is true today. God is looking for people that will open their mouth and say, God, here I am, send me. Me. Can you look at our society for a moment and just think about, do you think our society needs some people that that, whose hearts are fully surrendered to the Lord that will be his messengers and his mouthpiece that will take the message of the gospel to wherever he tells us to go? Does you think God needs people like that? That's what this world is missing. We who have the truth and we who have the light, we need to take this out. And God is saying who will go for us. What's fascinating is this is not just an Old Testament truth. Jesus said the same thing. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The laborers are few. God is looking for laborers. People who will say, God, I lay everything down. God, whatever you have pointed your finger at in my life that I need to turn over, God, I'm going to repent and turn to you. God, I'm going to need help doing this. That's okay. That's fine. That's perfect. That's what he wants. But he wants that heart. This is God. This is hard, but I'm giving it to you. God, I've been holding on to this thing for so long. I don't know how to live without it. But God, I hear the cry of your heart. And so I'm turning away from this thing with everything I've got. It hurts. I don't want to let it go. It hurts, but I'm turning towards you because I want to run after you. God, here I am. Send me. So again, will you answer the call?